0: Welcome back, everybody, to episode 42 of the new Ice City podcast. I'm your host, Vincent Ricagliano of the USA Today Network, and I'm really, really excited for this week's episode. We are gearing up for the new season for the New York Rangers. We are less than two weeks away from opening night, which is kind of hard to believe. And to get us set for the new season, now that we are in the throes of training camp, I asked Ryan Lindgren, the hard-nosed, rugged, Fan favorite defenseman from the Rangers to come on the podcast this week. Today, the Rangers had an off day, but Ryan was gracious enough at this time to give us a, a really kind of extensive interview where we went into all kinds of stuff. We talked about his journey as a young hockey player in Minnesota to now being on the top pair for the New York Rangers. We talked a lot of hockey stuff. We also talked about. Him and Adam Fox and their long standing relationship. Those two are still roommates. So I, I uh, asked Ryan quite a few questions about the dynamics of living together, which I think you guys will find really funny and interesting. We talked about the rest of the team, some of the guys that have been around, some of the new additions. We hit on a lot of different topics. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. I'm really appreciative of Ryan for taking the time to come on. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. And As excited as I am for that, I I don't know if you guys can tell, I'm trying. I've been told by many people that I'm a loud talker, but I'm trying to control my volume right now because the missus had to go to New Jersey for work today. The Rangers are off today. So I am on baby duty. And the little guy, I got him to go down for a nap just a little while ago. I'm watching him on the monitor right now. He's a couple rooms away. So I might have to jump off all of a sudden if there's some stirring or some crying or something, but right now he's sleeping. I'm trying not to wake him. So fingers crossed this will work out and we'll be able to get through the opening segment of the program. As I mentioned, we're a week now into training camp, two games into the preseason. The Rangers basically split their roster in half in recent days. And that's how they went about these first two preseason games for the opening game against the Islanders on Sunday, which was a 4-0 loss, really not too much to talk about from that game. It wasn't very pretty from the Rangers' perspective, but for that game, they had two of the four lines that you would expect them to use in the regular season, one with Zabinijad, Kreider, and Lafreniere, the other with Goudreau, Krotzoff, and Heedle, although Goudreau didn't make it out of the first period because of a game misconduct penalty. But you got a glimpse of a couple lines the Rangers are planning to use, it looks like, at least in the regular season. You got a glimpse of the Fox-Lindgren defensive pair in that game. You also saw Nils Lundqvist make his debut in a Rangers uniform playing next to Patrick Nemeth. That appears to be the likely third pair for the Rangers, but we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about the defenseman options later on in the program. I got a lot of Twitter questions about that this week. But, but that game, I mean, listen... You know, you could you can overreact to it. I'm, I had people before the end of the first period telling me that all the flaws of the Rangers were exposed in that preseason game, and you know we might as well cancel the season, and they got no chance of making the playoffs. And you know, it's it's predictable, but it's also kind of amazing to see how reactionary everybody gets. And, and you know, you get it. It's been a long time since you've seen hockey, and I know people were amped up for that first game, even if it was a preseason game, but. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump the brakes on, on too many reactions or too much analysis from that game. It was definitely sloppy. I, I think we heard that from players. We heard that from Gerard Gallant. He spoke specifically of the puck support. He felt like he called it swinging the puck up the ice. He thought guys were just pushing from the defensive zone and not really trying to connect on passes. They were just kind of throwing the puck toward the other end of the ice instead of the defenseman connecting with the forwards and the forwards being there to support the the defensemen so I know that was a point of emphasis coming out of that game their zone entries their breakouts things like that and listen you know you could talk about the islanders obviously being a tough team to play against and how the rangers had struggled against them last year and that was more of the same in that game but again one preseason game only half their lineup was out there not that big of a deal the second game, on the other hand, which was played Tuesday and, and turned out to be a win over the Boston Bruins at the Garden 3 to two, that game also take it with a huge grain of salt. The Bruins had very, very few of their regular NHL guys in the lineup that night. But Gallant said after the game, listen, it doesn't matter who we're playing against. you know, we're trying to work on things that we want to correct. We're trying to make sure that our team is ready. And he sounded much more encouraged by what he saw on Tuesday than what he was with what he saw on Sunday. Tuesday, again, you had two of the four lines you expect to see. The line, which you can call it the second line or 1A, 1B, whatever you want to say, with Panarin, Strom, and Capo Caco, that line looked really good. That was probably the biggest positive coming out of the night. You're expecting that to be a highly productive line for the Rangers. You're really hoping that Capo going into his third year, is ready to make a jump. And we did have a chance to chat with him in person after you know, seeing him on the ice, seeing him from afar a little bit in the last week or so, we did get the chance to talk to him up close and, and kind of go over what, how he attacked his offseason. And I found it really interesting to hear Capo talk about not really thinking too much or focusing too much on hockey. He didn't talk about working on his shot or working on his passing or puck handling or anything like that, which, which we've heard from other guys. He said his main focus was twofold. The main thing was hitting the gym, working out, adding muscle. And according to the roster that the Rangers have released now during training camp, he has added six pounds of looks definitely like muscle since last season. And he said the other thing was skating. We, we know skating is an area where, where there were questions a little bit when he was going into the draft a couple years ago. And, and it's an area where we saw a little bit of improvement last year. And it sounds like he's thinking that he made even more strides this offseason. So I think that those are encouraging because, He said that what he's taken away from his first two years in the league is that everybody's bigger and stronger here. And in order for his skill to pop, he needs to be bigger and stronger to be able to hold up against the type of players that he's going to face at the highest level in the world. So I think that's encouraging from him. Of course, you want to see it translate on the ice. We did see that a little bit on Tuesday. He had a goal, and he did it by doing exactly what he said he wants to do more of this season, and that was getting to the net. He talked a lot about how Artemi Panarin is such a, a great passer that if you can get yourself into a high danger scoring position, you're likely gonna have a lot of chances to to put the puck in the back of the net. Gallant harped on the same thing when we talked to him about Capo, and then we saw it translate and happen in the game on Tuesday. So definitely encouraging. Panarin looked like he was in midseason form. I mean that now I talked about it, I talked about it with Ryan Lindgren in a few minutes, but that that backhanded sauce flick across the ice from from he was streaking down the left the the left side of the ice along the boards and he just flicks a backhand pass across the ice to Anthony Boteto right on the tape perfect pass all Boteto had to do was shoot it I mean that was that was pretty that was a filthy filthy pass And, and Panarin had a little fun with us talking about that one after the game he had two assists he had a breakaway goal he had a chance for another breakaway goal that was an awesome save by the Bruins goaltender so Panarin looked awesome you got to feel good about that line. If Kako can take a step, and you know what you have with Panarin and the chemistry that he's had with Strome, so that was definitely encouraging. I think the Rangers were also encouraged by what they saw from some of the young players in that game. Gallant made a point afterwards of saying that he liked what he saw from the D pair of Zach Jones and Br- and Braden Schneider. We'll talk about them a little bit later on in the program. But the thing that I've been intrigued by in these games. You know, you're not gonna see a whole lot in terms of system. Like obviously Gallant is trying to implement his system, but I don't think you're necessarily gonna reveal all your all your secrets this early or have everything implemented after just one week of camp. He talks about the simple things, playing fast, being aggressive on the four check, but I, I think A lot of that stuff, we're not going to have enough time and enough sample size to really, truly assess until we get into the regular season. But what I've been fascinated by in these first couple preseason games is the special teams usage. And I wrote about that in a story that went up on loha.com slash sports slash Rangers on Wednesday morning. And the PK in particular, I mentioned this to Gallant yesterday, but you can look at the forwards that have been effective, and that have experience on the PK, and they lost two of their foremost used guys. They traded Pavel Buchnevich. They traded Brett Howden. They have Kevin Rooney and Mika Zabinajad coming back. Those are the four guys they used the most last year, so you're, you're pretty confident that Zabinijad and Rooney are going to be out there. You know Barclay Gaudreau was one of Tampa's top PK forwards last year, so those three are obviously going to be used. Strom has been used quite a bit In the last few years, so there should be an opportunity there for for him. Chris Kreider has not been used as much, but he did get some looks on the PK last year, so he's got a little bit of experience. Kreider's another guy who maybe could work into that mix, but you're going to need at least one or two more guys that are capable of killing penalties for the Rangers as far as their forwards go. And you look at the rest of the team, There's very, very little experience. You go and look at the shorthanded ice time for some of these young players that they have. And even like like a guy like Sammy Blay, for example. I was thinking, okay, bottom six forward, big, strong dude. The Rangers love his physicality. I would guess he's probably spent some time killing penalties in the past. Well, that would be a false assumption. Because if you go and look at his time in St. Louis, very, very little time spent on the penalty kill. They gave him a look last night. But they also gave some guys who, who I think were more surprising to see out there. Guys like Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, Philip Hedl, Vitali Kratsov. At least one or two of those guys is going to have to log some PK time this year. Because if you, if you look at the state of the lineup right now, you can say, you know, a Greg McKaig or a Morgan Barron or a Dryden Hunt. Like maybe those guys, if they're in the lineup, would play on the PK for you. But the thing is... It looks unlikely that any of those guys are going to be in the opening night lineup. So you're going to need one of those young forwards, one of those young, skill, highly drafted guys to give it a shot. And that's basically what Gallant said last night. He said, listen, we he, he spoke specifically of his time as an assistant coach in Columbus when they had Rick Nash come up, scored 40 plus goals, I think in his second season and then right after that, you know, he was looked at as this big goal scorer. They asked him to start contributing on the penalty kill, something he had never done in the past. And within a, a few years, he was considered one of the best penalty killers in the game. And, and Gallant said that the hand-eye coordination, the instinct, some of these things that skilled players are known for doing well on the offensive end can translate to the defensive end if they're willing, if they commit to it. So he wants to see who can handle it. And, that, and that's kind of what he's using the preseason for right now. We've seen all those forwards that I just mentioned get a little run out there. Coppa was out there on the very first shift, which I think caught everybody's eye as soon as it happened. And we'll see. I don't think all those guys are going to have to kill penalties this season by any stretch, but I think at least one or two of them will have to. And, and I'm very curious to see in the next few weeks how it plays out, who ends up getting used there. The power play, it sounds to me Gallant said he he doesn't mind having three righties on there, which is pretty obvious. He pointed out the Rangers' three best players. He didn't use names, but I'm pretty sure he was talking about Panarin, Zabinajad, and Fox are all right-handed shots. But the other two spots on that first power play unit, I think, are likely to go to left-handed shots. Chris Kreider, we know, has been the net front guy in the past few years. I would assume he'll stick there. But that leaves an opening for that other spot. Ryan Strom has played there a lot in the last few years, but we know him as a right-handed shot playing on that right circle, it's not great as far as angles for one-timers and things of that nature. So I think the Rangers would be better off getting a left-handed shot there. And I think Lafreniere and Kako are going to be the first guys to get an opportunity. Power play two, interestingly, and and you can kind of figure this out on your own, but Gallant said it the other day, there's a lot of guys that could be the point man on that unit. And we've seen Nils Lundqvist used there. Gallant sounds like he really likes Zach Jones there, but he also mentioned that Truba and Keandre Miller are guys that could work there as well. So I think there, there's a little bit of a, I guess you can call it a competition for who's in a quarterback, that second power play unit. My money would be on Lundquist, but we'll see how it plays out. The thing is though, the special teams is an interesting kind of side note that, that I dove into a little bit. And there are a lot of interesting players on this team. Like, don't get me wrong. I've had a chance to talk with the prime captain candidates. I wrote about that over the weekend. Got some really interesting comments, I thought, from Kreider, Zabinajad, and Truba about their leadership styles. And I do believe that one of those three, as we've talked about in the past, will end up being the captain. A lot of new additions. Ryan Reeves was was a smash hit during his first press conference. I mean, that guy, he's he's very good at talking to the media, is what I can tell you. And he doesn't hold back. He's a straight shooter, really honest, but also funny and engaging. I mean, he he, he was really fun to talk to, and I think the Rangers are going to end up leaning on him to be quoted and to, and to go into those press conference situations when they need somebody who can add a little color. We've talked to Barclay Gaudreau, We talked to Sammy Blay. We've also had a chance to talk to a lot of the young guys who I think fans are really interested in because they're hoping for breakouts from guys like Lafreniere, Kako, Kratzoff, spoke to Keandre Miller on Tuesday. These are guys that are going to be fascinating to watch throughout the course of the season because you want to see how much they develop, how much growth you can see in their game. Our conversation with Artemi Panarin hit on everything. We talked about all the craziness that happened last year with his leave of absence, the Russian political stuff, which understandably he did not want to go into. And and listen, I I would like to also just say this from the perspective of, of the reporter who's covering the team. Totally respect Panarin not wanting to talk about that stuff. I totally would not, push the issue if he's uncomfortable with it. But we never really got a chance to ask him to tell his side of that story. We, I asked him, if I don't know if you guys remember this, but our very last Zoom with him at the end of the season, I asked him if he could comment on that. Actually, I don't think it was at the end of the season. It was when he came back from his leave of absence. I asked him for his position on that, what he could tell us about why he felt that he needed to take that leave of absence. And he said, listen, I don't want to talk about it right now. We'll address it in the future." So first time we talked to him at training camp, in my mind, and I believe in the minds of my colleagues, it was something that we needed to ask, get his comments on the record, hear his side of the story, give him a chance to tell his side of the story and take it from there. He said he didn't want to go into it. He said he is not feeling any pressure from political forces not to talk. It's a decision that he's making on his own. Take that for what you will. But I'm not going to force the issue. We know that he left because there were concerns about the safety, or the well-being of his family that remained in Russia. And the last thing I would want to do is push him to comment on something that he feels could put them in jeopardy. I'm not saying that's the case, but again, it's a question that I felt needed to be asked. We, we hit on the topics in, the, in our conversation with him, and now I think is an appropriate time to move on. Again, this is really just about giving him a chance to tell his side of the story. The allegations against him have largely been dispelled. I did a lot of reporting on it. I know a lot of others did a lot of reporting on it. There is no evidence to back those claims up. So I think his name has been cleared, but again, I think it's only fair in this situation to give him the chance to to tell us his perspective, to give us his side of the story. And that was that was the goal there. But we also talked about the Tom Wilson thing. We talked about his partnership with Ryan Strome. We talked about Kappa. We we talked about a lot of stuff. I wrote a long story on Panarin earlier this week, we talked about him not wanting to be the captain, which I think is a pretty honest comment from him. I think you should respect and appreciate the fact that he's going to come out there and say, look, listen, I don't think I'm the best guy for the job and and that's why I don't want to do it. So we had on a lot of stuff with Panarin, but while you have all these storylines around the team and all these interesting characters on the team, the roster itself really doesn't have many question marks right now. I asked Gallant point blank a couple days ago, When you talk about competition and position battles, like how many spots are legitimately open right now as far as these competition goes? And he said not many. That that was a pretty straightforward, truthful answer on, on his part. Gallant is not going to be a guy who's going to give you a lot of color and these long, beautiful quotes, but he is a guy who's going to tell it like it is. At least my early impressions of him are that way. He's been pretty straightforward, and he said, listen, there's not a lot of spots that, that are open for competition right now. So you look at the roster. We mentioned the four lines. Those lines, to me, maybe they get tweaked a little bit. I think there's still some questions about whether Kreider or Lafreniere end up playing on their offhand on the right side, but those lines look pretty locked in to me based on what I've seen in the first week of camp. The D pairs, Gallant said himself on Wednesday, or Tuesday, I should say, that he's going to keep Lingren and Fox together. He's going to keep Miller and Truba together. Those are his top two pairs. The third pair, Nils Lundqvist. We've talked about him at length. He looks like the front runner to play next to Patrick Nemeth. I guess you can call that a little bit of a competition. There's some competition for which forwards will fill out maybe the 13th and 14th spots, be those kind of healthy scratch guys on the roster. But all in all, there's not a whole lot of competition right now. This is more about implementing Gallant's system Playing the way that he wants them to play, building chemistry on the lines and on the defensive pairs, and getting this team ready to roll and go into the season and win some games right off the bat and not dig themselves into a hole early, as we've seen in the last couple seasons, but actually hit the ground running, make that push for a playoff spot, put themselves in a strong position early on in the season. That, that's what it's more about right now. There's not a whole lot of questions as far as what the lineup's going to look like. I think we all have a pretty good inkling of what that's going to be. We're going to dive deeper into some of those topics in the final segment of the show, but I've kind of rambled on long enough. The baby is still sleeping, which is good news. Uh, But with that, let's get to this interview with Ryan Lindgren, and then I'll be back for the final segment and get to some of your Twitter questions. And now let's welcome into the program a man who has probably shed more blood on the MSG ice in the past few years than anybody else, one of your... Defenseman for the New York Rangers, Ryan Lindgren. Ryan, thank you very much for joining. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. I'm, I'm glad to see you. Uh, this is obviously Zoom, but like we were just saying, it's been nice to be around the rink again and be around you guys again and definitely looking forward to the season. Uh, I also want to ask, how is how is your chin? Because when <laughs> you might not even remember this because I know you get you get hit so much, but the other, it was like last week and you were uh, hitting Lafreniere at the boards, and I was actually taking video of it as it happened, and I went back and watched it, and you could see your chin went directly into the edge, and then I know you were getting, tri- Rammer, I think, was treating you on, on the bench after that.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it was pretty funny. Obviously, uh, the first scrimmage, I already get a cut, so, um, and yeah, I saw that video, too. You could see the chin come down and uh, hit the dasher, but uh but no, it was just one stitch. It wasn't anything crazy. So uh, it's all good now.
0: Just one stitch. You've had a lot more than that.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: I'm sure that's something your teammates rag you about a lot is the fact that you, you seem to be bleeding all the time.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something those guys joke about and the, uh, the uh, medical staff, too. I think they kind of get a kick out of it. It's definitely nothing that uh, I enjoy if that happens. And I'm not out there looking to. To draw blood or get cut, but it is something that definitely seems to happen uh, more times than not.
0: I hope you're not squeamish, or if you were, you probably got over it.
1: Yeah, I definitely got over it. I mean, getting stitches now, I used to kind of, um, you know, really, really not like having that. And used to think it was very painful, but now it's uh, kind of the usual.
0: I-, I think it suits your playing style for sure.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the way I like to play, be physical and. Um, I think that just kind of comes with it at, uh, at some point.
0: So I, I want to talk about a bunch of stuff. Uh, I definitely have some Adam Fox questions for you. Want to talk about the team a little bit and have some fun with, with some off the ice stuff as well. But I want to start with with sort of your hockey journey. Give, give people a glimpse into how you got to this point. I know you, you grew up in Minnesota, correct? Yep, I did. Played hockey there all growing up, played at the University of Minnesota. I mean, obviously we know Minnesota as far as the U S is, is kind of a hotbed for hockey, but what are your earliest memories of what got you into hockey?
1: Yeah. So I, I came from a a hockey family. Uh, I got two older brothers, Charlie and Andrew. Um, They both played hockey. They're both goalies. Uh, My dad played hockey. He was also a goalie played at the university of Michigan. And um, so, you know, I got into it from a very early age. Um, You know, like you say, growing up in Minnesota, You know, all my buddies were playing it, you know, whether it's, you know, outside on the on the pond or, um, you know, organized. Everyone was playing hockey, it seemed like. So, you know, I got into it when I was four or five years old and absolutely loved it from the start. My dad was coaching me all the way, all the way up. So, um, you know, it was a big, uh, big thing for my family. And, um, you know, we absolutely all just love the sport.
0: Do you remember when it started becoming apparent that like you could go somewhere with the sport?
1: Um, yeah, I think, you know, when I, when I made the decision to go to Shattuck, St. Mary's, uh, my eighth grade year, um, I think that was kind of the step where I realized that I'm gonna, I'm gonna take hockey very seriously. And, um, you know, that's the path I want to want to pursue. And, um, you know, going to a place like Shattuck, where it's very hockey based, and, um, you know, they they take it very seriously there. And, um, you know, you're there to to get better at hockey and school. But, um, I knew from, from that point that, uh, that hockey was going to be my path and I was going to do everything I could, uh, to make the NHL.
0: And you get hooked up with the U S development program as well, right?
1: Yep. I went from Shadda great to the U S team. Um, you know, that's obviously where I, where I started playing with Foxy and, um, you know, we had such a great group there and, um, um, we just had a, a ton of fun together. And, um, you know, that was also a place where I, uh, uh, learned a lot and um, you know that was kind of a spot where i where I switched kind of my role to more of a defensive defenseman and um, you know got guy that kind of penalty kills and and does all that so that was kind of a place that where I, I kind of transformed my game a little bit.
0: were any were any other guys from the team now in in the program besides you and fox at the time?
1: Um, no, I, I think it was just me and foxy at that point.
0: Do you remember like first impressions of him or or anything like that when you guys met?
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, me and him talk about it every once in a while. It just seemed like, you know, we didn't, we didn't know each other at all. Uh, I always kind of laugh, too, or bring it up to him. You know, you we, we have that 40 camp um, that happens. It's, it's a couple months before you actually head out to, uh, to join a team. And, you know, I had heard the name Adam Fox a little bit. I, I'd never actually seen him play. And I'm sitting on the bench, and I, I see him get the puck at the point in the offensive blue line. A guy comes, you know, flying out at him. And, you know, pretty much every guy is going to either pass it or, or get rid of it. And he holds on to it, slips it through the guy's legs and, you know, walks down and it makes a great play. And I, I'm sitting on there, there on the bench and, and talking to the guys. I'm like, who, who is this kid? Like, you know, I've never seen anyone really do anything like that or have such poise. And, um, you know, from there, I, I kept watching him and realized that this kid is a heck of a hockey player. And, um, you know, when I, first, and when I got there, too, uh, it just seemed like me and him kind of kind of clicked and my friendship kind of took off from there.
0: You're probably wondering who's this kid from New York. I'm sure there weren't a lot of New York guys around at that time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, I mean, I didn't know many guys from New York at that point. Um, you know, I knew guys like, like McAvoy and, and Brocco were on that U S team. And um, you know, I knew Foxy had played with them for the, the long Island goals, but, uh, but ne- never really knew much about those guys.
0: So something you said about when you realized that def- being a, a defensive defenseman was kind of your path, I think to a conversation we had a couple of days ago with with Dryden Hunt, who actually seems like he, he's your kind of player, by the way. Uh, and he, he was talking about, you know, everybody when you're in juniors or when you're younger, like everybody at this level was a scorer at, at one point or another, but he had to come to the realization that as he was moving up, that his role wasn't going to be that, that he needed to adjust his game and do more of the gritty elements and that sort of thing. It sounds like you realized at a pretty early age that that was going to be the way that you needed to go to, to, to make a name for yourself.
1: Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, going back at Shattuck, I was a very offensive defenseman, you know, I was on the power play. I loved, you know, rushing the puck up and that that's kind of what I did. And then you know, when I went to the U.S. national team, you know, you had guys like Foxy and, and Chad Chris who who got those power play minutes. And, um, you know, those were the kind of guys that were looked at as the offensive guys. So, um, you know, my role kind of switched to a penalty kill and, and more of a shutdown guy. And, um, you know, I just kind of rolled with that right into right into college and, you know, the world juniors and in and Hartford and, and now with the Rangers. So, um, you know, that was a, the role that that I knew was going to be most successful for me. And, Um, you know, I knew I needed to be a guy I was going to be physical and and hard to play, play against. And, um, yeah, I just kind of took off that role.
0: Did you feel like it came naturally to you? Did, did you enjoy it? Like right from the beginning
1: playing that kind of style? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, it's obviously a, a a different, um, you know, different style of play and, you know, those guys that are, that are offensive and kind of get the points, you know, they, they get more of the spotlight and, you know, that's just, that's just how it is. But, um, you know, I, I like playing that, that, that style. I like, I like being physical and, and uh, you know, just being hard to play against. And, um, yeah, so I think I just, I just kind of ran with that.
0: So then you're drafted by the Bruins in 2016, I believe. Come to the Rangers yeah. in, in that Rick Nash trade. It, it seemed like you were just a steady climber. Like the Rangers, had, had they were loading up on draft picks at that point. They used a lot of high picks on defensemen. And I think a lot of those guys were probably talked about more. But, but did you just look at it like in the situation you were in that you kept your head down, you kept working? And I remember specifically the 19-20 the uh, training camp going into that season before COVID hit. David Quinn talking about you a lot during training camp, and I think you definitely caught his eye at the time. But did, did you just feel like, you know, you weren't worried so much about where guys are drafted or what names are out there, but you, you just kind of had to do your thing and you would get noticed eventually?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think that's big, just kind of, you know, worrying about what I can do and, um, you know, making sure I go go to the rink every day and get better and, you know, give it my all every day. So like you said, you can't worry about, you know, where other guys are drafted, you know, you can't control that. You just got to go, go in every day and, and show that you belong and, you know, that you, that you can play at the highest level. And, um, you know, I think I did a good job of that where I just, you know, when I went to Hartford, I, like you said, just get my head down and, and worked hard every day and, and then showed that I can play at, play at that level. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is when I got called up to the Rangers, I, you know, took off with it and, and played well and, and, and showed that I could play, uh, play in the NHL. And, you know, that was a, a big thing for me. And, you know, I, I got to make sure I keep working and keep showing that I, that I'm improving and, and uh, you know, keep playing at this, this level. You know, like from the time you came up,
0: you were playing with Adam pretty quickly and everybody always points to that partnership. It's kind of crazy to think that now you guys are potentially, it sounds like going to be a partnership for the third year in a row. How helpful would you say that stability is it? And do, do you think it's a big part of your NHL success? I mean, you know, I, I feel like you don't want to not, you don't want to take credit away from the individual, but, but how important has it been for the both of you to kind of have that stability?
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you know, we, as soon as I called up my, my second year, that, that first game, I was playing with Foxy and, you know, it just seemed like we, we were playing well and, and started to click. And, um, you know, like, like you said, we're going to our third year together where, where it seems like we're, we're going to play together again. So, you know, I think that's huge for us. You know, we know what, what each other is going to do on the ice. We read off each other very well. And, um, you know, we're, we're very close, you know, obviously we're roommates and, you know, we talk a lot and, um, you know, we're just very familiar with each other and very comfortable with each other. And I, I think that shows on the ice as well.
0: You, you, so you guys are still, I was going to ask you that. Are you guys still living together? Yeah, we are. I, I think Rangers fans all picture it being like the movie Step Brothers, like so, something, something like that. Is, that. is that an accurate portrayal?
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about that, but, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know we have a lot of fun together um obviously we, we spend a, a ton of time together and you know we're always joking around and, and having fun so um you know i don't know if exactly like the the movie Step Brothers, but there, there's definitely a lot of laughs uh living with foxy uh,
0: to me he just seems super chill all the time like is he like that everywhere at all times or, or do you know how to push his buttons at this point
1: uh no yeah he's, he's pretty chill most of the time um but yeah, I, I think I'd like to like to say that I, I know how to how to push buttons and, and get them going a little bit. But uh, but yeah, he, he's kind of been the same guy ever since high school. Um, you know, he doesn't get too high or too low. He's just kind of very even keeled and, and kind of stays the same. But, uh, but yeah, I, I've known him long enough where I, I think I can you know push him a little bit.
0: He, he wasn't like walking with his head up or banging on his chest after he, after he won the Norris. He wasn't bragging about that. Huh.
1: Uh, no, he's been, uh, he's been pretty good about that. Obviously there's a lot of jokes and, you know, you see what happened with the Jersey the first day of camp. So, you know, obviously guys give him a hard time about that, but, uh, but no, he's been great about it. And obviously what an accomplishment for him and, um, so deserving. So, uh, it was obviously very cool to see him, uh, bring that trophy home.
0: I think about, so I do, are you guys in the city?
1: Yeah, we're in the city.
0: Yeah. So that's what I thought. I think I lived in the city for, for several years and had a handful of them uh, with roommates. So I think about like the dynamic between me and my roommates a little bit when we've asked Adam about it, he makes it sound like it's pretty boring, like playing video games and stuff. But I thought I'd ask you a few questions to kind of maybe give a little glimpse behind the, behind the curtain. Um, I guess for starters, since we, since Adam's mentioned video games, like you guys have a game of choice, what's your favorite thing that you guys are playing?
1: Yeah, we actually, uh, we play this game called Rocket League a lot. Uh, it's like soccer with cars, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, we play that a ton. Um, that's kind of a hilarious game for us to play. And, um, you know, we played NHL for a little bit too. But, uh, but lately, we've kind of been sticking with Rocket League. And uh, it's, it's been, uh, been pretty fun to play.
0: At dinner time, are you guys, is one of you cooking? Or are you guys ordering takeout a lot? Like, like what's, what's the story there?
1: Yeah, neither of us cook. I don't think any of us or either of us know how to cook. So, uh, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been takeout from uh, day one.
0: OK, so a lot of a lot of Uber Eats or Seamless or something yeah. like that. Yeah, 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 for sure. So if, if we walk in there and we open the fridge, like what kind of stuff are we finding?
1: Uh, it's going to be not a lot. It's going to be <laughs> like bottles of water. And uh, I think there might be a carton of eggs right now that are in there, but I don't know. I must've been from summer at some point, but. uh, Oh boy.
0: Oh boy. You might want to throw those
1: out. Yeah, I know. So besides that, there, there's not a lot in that fridge.
0: I guess, I guess this time of year, you guys are eating at the facility all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's nice too. We always get uh, breakfast and lunch there. So, uh, so yeah, that's really nice.
0: So who's better at cleaning up after themselves, doing the dishes, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: Um, I think we're both pretty good at, um, you know, realizing when it's time uh, to, to clean, you know, it uh-huh. maybe, maybe takes us each a while to, to kind of get up and actually do it. But, uh, but I think we're both pretty good at, at realizing when it gets a little too uh, messy in there that it's time for someone to, to take charge and maybe do the dishes or, or take the trash out. So I think we're, we're both pretty good at that. Yeah.
0: I think each year as probably most young men do, you get a little bit better at that <laughs> than the year before. Yeah, yeah for So, sure. so which, like i remember when i lived in the city i have friends that live nearby just like showing up all the time like i'm curious for you guys do you have is there any teammate or teammates that, that come over all the time like is there somebody that you're just finding on the couch and you're like oh man this guy's here again
1: uh no not really uh no. you know a lot of guys don't really live in the city um you know a lot of guys are still out in white plains or or that area but uh you know you got rooney that lives in the city so he's over a lot um you know, we had Howden a lot uh, over a lot last year. He was pretty close to us. But uh, but no, not a lot of guys are are in the city or, um, you know, just kind of popping over a lot. So you don't have to kick anybody off the couch in the morning or anything like that? No, nothing like that.
0: Okay, that's good. All right. Well, uh, sticking with the teammates, let's go like whole team here a little bit. I it's When we were in the locker room, like I had a pretty good feel for this. But now because things have been different since COVID and everything, who would you say is – is the funniest guy on the team right now?
1: Um, I would say the person I kind of get the kick out of most is, is Stromer. Um, I mean, he, he's got the same, same attitude and personality every, every single day. I mean, he's never seems like he's tired or, or in a bad mood. He's always, he's always joking around. He's always laughing. Tony B is the same way. He always, he's always got a ton of energy. So those two, those two are always fun to, to be around. They always keep the locker room pretty loose and, um, you know, joking around a lot. So those guys are fun. And, um, you know, laugh he's another guy, too, that, boy, he's he's a funny dude. And um, I know guys really enjoy him. And um, he's always got a great, great attitude. And he's got a great personality. So um, he's a lot of fun to be around, too.
0: Yeah, Kreider brought that up about Alexi last week. And, and Strom, it sounds like nothing's changed because that, that's how it, that's how it was before the pandemic, too. So. Um,
1: yeah, he's... He, Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, he's, he's the exact same every day. He's just a hilarious guy.
0: Yeah, he is. He is a funny dude. Um, this might be the same answer, but I thought of it because um of the the nameplate thing with Fox. Whoever he he was saying that he was trying to figure out whose idea it was to change it to Norris, and he could he couldn't get to the bottom of it. So it is. It might be one of those same guys, but is somebody like the biggest prankster? Is somebody always playing tricks on everybody?
1: Yeah, I would say it is probably the same answer. Um, You know, like with that too, I don't know exactly who did that, but, uh, but I think the money would probably be on either Shromer or Tony B to to pull something like that. But, uh, yeah, definitely be those two that are, that are guys that keep it loose and and like to kind of joke around and prank a little bit.
0: On the other end, who's the most serious, like which guy is like the hardest to make laugh or just seems like he's always, you know, not kind of not smiling and, and focused on hockey.
1: Um, I don't know if we really got a guy like that, that's, uh, you know, just very serious all the time or, or doesn't really like to joke around. I think we got a good group and, you know, guys kind of mesh with each other very well. Um, you know, there's guys that are maybe a little more quiet. Um, you know, maybe, maybe some of the Europeans that are, that are a little more quiet or kind of, um, you know, stick to, 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 themselves a little bit more, but, uh, but we got a pretty good group that that's always joking around and always fun to be around.
0: See, it seems like Capo's coming out of his shell a little bit this year.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, that, that's great to see. He's he's a a very funny dude, and you know, a guy I really like to to talk to and, and hang out with. But, uh, but yeah, it's good to see Capo be more comfortable, and um, you know, a guy that that's opening up a little more. And um, you know, he's he's a he's a terrific guy, and a guy you know that that all of us really enjoy.
0: And and now he might be out there with you on the PK. I was surprised to see that last night.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was watching that. Um, you know, it looked like he did a great job and, you know, I, I definitely think he's a guy that that would do a great job on the PKs. He's, he's incredibly smart and, and works hard. And, um, you know, I think he would do a great job on, on the penalty kill.
0: A couple off the ice ones before I let you go. I, I, I'm, I feel like I might know the answer to this, but is there a guy that you catch yourself, whether it's practice or games, like just watching the most and being like, wow, that guy, that, that dude is good.
1: Um, you know, I'd probably be, you know, either, either Brad. Um, you know, he's, he's just incredible to watch, even watching the game last night. Um, you know, the plays that he can make or, or just the way he sees the ice is, is incredible. And, you know, he does the same thing in practice as, as well. So he, he's a ton of fun to watch. You know, Foxy's kind of the same way where, where he makes plays that you just, you know, you, you just can't believe that, that he saw that or you have no idea how he was able to to make that play. Um, you know, so he, he's a ton of fun to watch too. And um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are that are so skilled and and, and just so incredible to watch me because meek is another guy, but um, you know, there's a lot of guys that are that are a ton of fun to watch. That that pass
0: from Panarin to Potato on that goal last night, I mean that thing was filthy. That was that was awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I me and uh Fox, you're watching that and you know we just kind of laugh about it because it's just such an incredible play you know he throws a little, little sauce on it and it's just it's just right to Tony B and it's um you know in the back of the net in a hurry so um you know you just you always see Brad, Brad make plays like that and you're always so impressed and um you know he's just a guy that, that sees the ice so well and it's just incredibly fun to watch.
0: Easy pickings for Tony I'm sure he'll take that one. Uh,
1: yeah so, absolutely. So if
0: I if we line the whole team up I actually asked a few guys this a few years ago. I'm curious if the answers changed. If we lined the whole team up on one end of the ice and had a full team race, which guy's
1: winning? Um, I think, you know, someone that, that is very, very fast and, um, you know, just such an efficient skater is, is, uh, Phil Heedle even doing that skating test. You could just see how well he skates and, you know, how fast he, he can, uh, you know, just from the just from the jump, he's just so fast. Um, so I think he might be a guy that, that might win that beating out Kreider, because that was the that was the <laughs> conversation we
0: that was the conversation that we had. I think it was nineteen or twenty. I was talking to Phil and I was asking, joking around with him, like, "Could you beat Kreider?" And Kreider overheard it, and Kreider's like, "Nah, he couldn't beat me." And they were going back and forth about it a little bit. But I, I know Kreider had that title for a while.
1: Yeah, you know what? Now that I say that, crieds Kreider Pride actually might take that. Um, you know, if he's listening, if he listens to this, he might be kind of upset that I said that, but, uh, <laughs> but no, definitely Kreitz is a guy that would be towards the top. If not the, the top guy,
0: I want to see if we can arrange that Phil versus Chris, uh, one day of practice or something.
1: Uh, yeah, that'd be a good one. So
0: of all the guys on the team who you're a guy that we know blocks a lot of shots, you throw your body on the line all the time. Whose shot would you least want to get in front of?
1: Um, probably troops if he's taking a one T he's he can he can really pound the puck and it's it's pretty heavy. And um I think uh you know Rooney was telling a story back when he was playing on the Devils. Um I don't know I I don't know if it was preseason or regular season. Um he was saying he was on the penalty kill and and Troubs was up top and and Troubs was just hammering one timers. Um (laughs) and Ruins was, was saying he was just terrified. I think they were coming in, you know, a little high too so I don't know if I'd like to, to get in front of one or two of the shots.
0: Yeah, that sounds like – that seems like a good answer. Uh, sure. this, this is another one. Now, I think I know the answer, but I want to ask, which guy would you least want to drop the gloves with?
1: Uh, probably Revo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, seen a couple of his fights. Um, haven't seen any live yet, but, uh, but, yeah, I've seen a couple of videos of, of him dropping the gloves, and um, I don't think I would I would do very well against him.
0: He, I mean, we just got a chance to talk to him for the first time the other day. I mean, he, he's first off, he's a great talker. Like for for us as reporters, like he's gold for quotes and all that kind of stuff. But like, he just he seems so comfortable in his own skin. He really seems to be embracing like being you know one of the older guys in the team and taking some of the young guys under his wing. Othman told us that he was giving him tips on you know those kind of fighting situations, and we saw him doing a cross off the other day. Like, what's he been like for you guys around the locker room and all that?
1: Uh, he's been awesome. You know, ever since he got here, you could just tell you he, he's very comfortable and, um, you know, just a great guy to to have uh, to have in the locker room. And I, th- I think I heard last night uh, during the broadcast, either Sam or Joe said it, that, you know, he's a guy that's made the playoffs 10 years in a row. And, um, you know, he's obviously been a part of very, very successful teams and, and he knows what it takes to, to win in this league and, and make the playoffs and make a push for the Stanley Cup. So, I know he's a guy that a lot of guys are going to lean on and including myself and, um, you know, just try to soak up as much as you can from him because, you know, he's a very successful guy and um, a guy that's always looking to to help people out. So, you know, Rebo has been great and you can tell he's going to be a huge part of this team this year. And
0: a good guy to have on your side when things get scrappy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He definitely (laughs) likes that that style of play. So he's he's definitely going to be a a guy that that we're uh, that we're definitely happy to have on our side.
0: You you look at you know you guys have added him you've added Gaudreau you, you've added you know these gritty elements a lot of the stuff that the Drury talked about wanting to get harder to play against it, but also I mean we were talking with Troop about this the other day this core now there was years where things were you know a lot of guys were coming up and still getting their feet wet but now it seems like a lot of you guys have been together for a decent amount of time you've made these additions the roster feels more balanced I, I guess you could say as far as you know having the physical guys having the skill guys last thing just your kind of message to the fans here about how how do you guys feel we've talked about the playoffs as a goal everybody's kind of repeated that but like what is the feeling around the team right now and what you guys are capable of
1: yeah i think the feeling around the team is is you know i think we're gonna have a very very dangerous team this year you know like you said we got a little bit of mix of skill and grit um you know we got great goaltending great great coaching and um, you know, we feel like we're going to team that, that, you know, if we put it together, we're, we're going to have a very successful year and, um, you know, we're going to be a very hard team to play against. And, you know, our goal is to make the playoffs and, and make a push for the Stanley Cup. And, you know, anything short of that is going to be disappointing. So, um, you know, right from game one, I know we're all excited to, to get out there and, and show what we can do and, and, and show what kind of team we are. So, um, you know, I'm very excited for this year. we got a great group and, um, you know, I think we're, We're going to be a very hard team to play against, and it's going to be a lot of fun this year.
0: Awesome. Awesome, Ryan. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you taking the time on your off day. I'll definitely be seeing you around the rink, and if you do happen to hit your face on the boards or anything anytime soon, I'll try to have the camera rolling so we can go back and check the replay.
1: (laughs) All right. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me, Vince.
0: And we're back. Huge thanks to Ryan again for taking time on his day off. Very chill dude. I don't know if you guys had that impression before you heard him here from interviews you've seen on TV or whatever, but him and Fox are two of the most laid back guys on the team. I would say he was just hanging out on his balcony in New York City. I think you might've heard a fire truck at one point during that interview. I don't know if Fox was eavesdropping from inside or inside playing video games or whatever, but laid back guy, very respectful. Always been great to talk to. Very open, especially when we had locker room access in the past. Gracious with his time, as you saw right there. I asked him if he had a time limit or if he needed to get out of there at a certain point. He said, "No, not at all. You know, let's let's do however much time you want," which was great. So we were able to hit on a lot of different stuff. I obviously want to ask him about his individual journey, which we talked quite a bit about, and you know, to me, having the self-realization to understand that, okay, my, my path to the NHL is going to be turning myself into a lockdown defensive guy, being a guy who plays up physically, being a guy who does those little gritty things that we know Lindgren has become known for in his time in New York. That is ultimately what got him to the point where he's at right now, because he was able to adapt his game focus in on the right areas, and carve out a significant role for himself, which obviously now he's, a, he's on the number one pairing for the New York Rangers, which is quite a compliment to the strides that he's made in the last few years. Because I know, especially if I think back to when I first came on this beat three years ago, he was not anywhere near the top of the prospect lists. especially when you talked about the young defenseman the Rangers had, and he's really climbed that ladder in a pretty rapid way when you think about it. But then it was fun, of course, to talk about the Fox stuff, as I mentioned to him, I kept thinking about the trials and tribulations that I had had with various roommates in years past, in my 20s especially, when I was living in the city. Now, I lived with one of my best friends for a while, and, and you know we still have a great relationship to this day, but as I'm sure many of you have had roommates before know, there's going to be ups and downs, there's going to be hiccups, so I thought I, I'd joke with him and pry a little bit on that, and also really cool just to hear his perspective on the different guys on the team, their on-ice skills, what they're like off the ice just the dynamic in that locker room right now. So again, huge thanks to Ryan. I'm sure we'll be doing more players at various points throughout the course of this season. But right now, we are going to get to your Twitter questions. This segment, as always, is all about the fans. And we are going to start with the first question of the week. And this is sort of the theme of the week. I think this is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds coming off of that Tuesday night preseason game. And Anthony wrote, with Jones looking so good, what are the chances that he pushes for the role seemingly already handed to Nemeth? I get the need for a veteran presence, but a 3-year deal it seems to block a player who should pass him on the depth chart fairly quickly. So, I've been thinking about this one a little bit in the last few days, but I, you know, these are thoughts that I had formulated really throughout the summer. I know from the fans perspective as it always is, prospects are young, exciting. They represent something new. They represent upside. There's a lot to like about the young defensemen that the Rangers have here right now. Not just Jones, but Schneider and Robertson. And even, I think to a lesser degree, Hunter Skinner is a guy that the Rangers are pretty excited about. But let's pump the brakes here a little bit. It's been clear all summer that the Rangers were willing to give one of those rookie defensemen an everyday lineup spot to begin the season. The front runner has been for a couple of years now is Nils Lundqvist. And there's still time. That could change. But I don't think he looked out of place in his first preseason game on Sunday. He's going to get more preseason reps. He's got a couple more weeks of training camp. He can solidify that role for himself. And I think that it is a good idea for the Rangers to break him in. And and, and look at the, the path of the Rangers' defense in the last few years. Two years ago, they actually broke in two rookies in Fox and Lindgren, who have become staples on their defense now. Last year, they felt Keandre Miller was the most advanced of their defenseman prospects. They gave him a shot, and now he's entering his second year. He's in a stronger position. This year, again, they're looking at it like, okay, we want to add another one to the mix. It's more gradual than all at once. You're not going to put in a six-man defense, remember, there's only six spots, you're not going to put a defense out there that is all rookies. As, As much as that might sound good on Twitter, I don't know how realistic or effective that's going to be on the ice. So I think it's a wise move to give one of them an opportunity because you know you have young, talented guys, but to offset him with the veteran presence. And that's what Nemeth was brought in here for. Now, if he falls flat, If he falters, if we're 30, 40 games into the season and he's not getting it done and you have guys in Hartford who are playing really well, you reassess at that point. We saw the Rangers roll with an all-rookie pair of Lindgren and Fox two years ago and it worked. But that is not the rule. That is certainly the exception. Fox just won the Norris Trophy as a second-year defenseman. So not all of these guys are going to be as good as Adam Fox. Probably none of them are going to be on the same level as Adam Fox. So I get it. I get the desire to see a guy like Jones, who when you watch him play, I mean, the way that he is poised with the puck, the way that he moves with the puck along the blue line, the way that he reads plays in the offensive zone, his passing, those are all things to be excited about. But you're not going to pair him with Nils Lundqvist. Those are two guys have never played at the NHL level, or at least I know Jones played 10 games last year, but never played an extended time in the NHL level. They're both undersized. They both have questions about their defensive ability. I cannot see any sane, rational argument to starting a season with an all-rookie defensive pair with two guys who are under six feet tall, who are undersized, and who are unproven defensively. Lundquist is coming from the SHL. We know about the larger sheet of ice. We know how different the defensive game is there than it is in the in the professionals here in North America, particularly in the NHL. Jones has only played two years of college. We we talked to his coach. I I talked to him extensively for the story that I wrote for the prospect series that you guys have heard about quite a bit in the last month or so. The defensive end is where his, his college coach and a lot of other people's feel like he still has a lot to prove and he's going to need to make a lot of adjustments. I cannot see that being a good situation. To be honest with you, if you were going to go with an all-rookie defensive pair, I think Schneider would make more sense to pair with a guy like Lundquist than Jones would because Schneider, you know, has the reputation as a reliable defensive player. You know physically he's more ready to handle the NHL game right now than Lundqvist or Jones, quite frankly. You saw that flashed in that preseason game. He was he was throwing the body around. He was not afraid to D up on forwards from the Bruins, although, again, those weren't the Bruins' regular guys by any stretch. But I think Schneider, if you were going to pair somebody with Lundqvist, would make more sense than Jones. And if you were going to pair somebody with Jones, Schneider would make more sense than Lundqvist. Same thing probably goes for Matthew Robertson. That's a six-four dude, definitely considered more reliable and, and experienced and seasoned defensively than Jones and Lundquist. So I think if you were going to do an all-rookie pair at any point, you would want Robertson and Schneider as one of the guys, and then you would want Lundquist or Jones as the other guy. So you have the offense, the mobility, and the skill of either Jones or Lundquist to go along with the size, the physicality, and the defensive responsibility of either Schneider or Robertson. So if you were going to try the all-rookie pair, I think that's the direction that you would go. But again, I can't see any way that the Rangers are going to break camp after giving Patrick Nemeth the contract, after bringing him in specifically for the purpose of mentoring and playing alongside a rookie. That's the way it's going to be coming out of camp. I, I, I get the excitement about Jones, but it is not the end of the world for a guy like Jones or a guy like Schneider or a guy like Robertson to go to Hartford, get some experience there, build some confidence, work on the parts of their game that they need to work on. And that way, when they do come up to the NHL, they are more ready to hit the ground running and be an effective player. You don't want to throw everybody to the wolves right off the bat. Again, this gradual approach of Fox and Lindgren a couple of years ago, Miller last year, and now you look to break in likely Lundquist to begin this season. Later on in the season, you think about another call up or two. You don't want to do it all at once. I don't think that that would be the wise move. I don't think that would be the responsible move. And I don't think that that would be in the best interest of the development of these young players. All right, let's move on to our next question. And that comes from Christian P who asks, what do you think the power play and penalty kill lines will look like? We talked about this in the beginning segment of the program, but I did kind of realize as I was sorting through these Twitter questions that I didn't actually give you guys what I think they could look like. We talked about a lot of names that are going to be experimented with in the preseason, but I figured I'll take this opportunity to give you what I think, and this is me, what I think those units could look like to begin the season. Start with the power play. For me, power play one is going to be Adam Fox at the point. You're going to have Chris Kreider at the net front. You're going to have Artemi Panarin in one circle as your right-handed shot. I think you're going to see Alexi Lafreniere on the other circle as the left-handed shot. Now, Kapokako could push for that spot. And we, I've seen him working on his one-timers a lot in practice recently. But I think Lafreniere, especially because you know he's playing with Zabinajad and Kreider, and I think that Gallant will want to keep that chemistry going on the power play. I think Lafreniere has a slight edge and then Zabinijad would be your bumper guy who plays behind Kreider and can make plays in the slot and that kind of thing. I think that could be a very high-powered, effective top unit with Zabinijad, Panarin, Lafreniere, Kreider, and Fox. Second power play unit. To me, Lundqvist is the guy to run the power play on the second unit. If he's the guy that makes the team, I think you got to give him the opportunity there. We've... For years now, watched from afar and heard all of these rave reviews about how good he is with the puck, about his shot, about his vision, about his hockey IQ. There's no area of the game where he is going to be as effective coming into the NHL as a rookie than the power play, in my opinion. And so I think you're putting him in the best position to succeed. You're giving him a chance to build confidence if you let him play on that second power play unit and be the quarterback there. If if anything goes wrong, I think you can easily slide Miller or Truba in there. And obviously, if Lundquist didn't make the team, if Jones surpassed him, then I would say the same thing, make Jones the power play quarterback on the second unit. But I, I'm going with the assumption that Lundquist will make the team over Jones. And so in that case, I would put Lundquist as the quarterback on the second power play unit. Your forwards... If Lafreniere is on the first unit, Kako is absolutely on the second unit. Ryan Strome is absolutely on the second unit. So that gives you three guys right there Lundqvist, Kako, Strome. Now, the other two spots, just in terms of pure offensive upside and skill, it would make a lot of sense to say Vitaly Kratsoff and Philip Hedel. Here's the thing, though. Can one of them play that net front spot would be my question because you need somebody who can play that role. It's not just about putting the most skill on the ice. It's about somebody who's going to set screens for the goalie, who's going to be able to get tip-ins, who's going to be able to get physical in that area, who's going to be able to retrieve pucks behind the net, the way that we've seen Chris Kreider be so effective at over the course of the years. So if either Kratzoff or Heedle can play that role, then absolutely, I think you go with that as your five-man unit. But if you have any doubts about that, or if Gallant, I should say, has any doubts about that, they might put somebody in there who doesn't check off the skill box quite as much. I think the guy that I've noticed in practice, who's been doing a lot of work, both during practice and after practice in that net front spot and working on tips and that sort of thing, is Sammy Blay. And this is a guy who Everybody talks about his physicality, but there's a little bit of skill there, too. I was talking with somebody from the Rangers about this the other day, and you could see it pop every now and then during practice. Blay, I think, is a, is a possibility to maybe get a look at the net front role on the second power play unit. But I, I definitely think you're going to see Lundqvist, or I would say, in my opinion, I would put Lundqvist, Kako, Strom, definitely one of or kratsov Maybe both of them, if one of them can play the net front, and if one of them can't, a guy like Blake could get a look there. Moving on to the PK. The forwards there, without a doubt, I think you're going to see Goudreau get a ton of minutes there. He, by a lot of accounts, was Tampa's best penalty kill forward last year, so absolutely the Rangers are going to ride him on the penalty kill Kevin Rooney, same thing goes for him. The Rangers really like him on the PK. That those might be the first two forwards off the bench in a PK situation. Mika, absolutely, he's proven there. He gives you some skill and some offensive ability. He, we've seen him score shorthanded goals before, and I, I I think you absolutely to have that threat. And you know how hard he plays all over the ice. I like Mika out there a lot. I think Strom is a pretty sure bet. He's more experienced than any of the other guys that you can consider for that fourth spot. So maybe you see Zabinajad and Strom or Strom and Rooney or something like that as one of the, as one of the uh, PK forward groups. After that, it gets a little more complicated. You need In a given game, you're going to need at least two more guys that are going to do it. I think Kreider will probably get some time there. David Quinn always talked about what a threat his speed was on the penalty kill and how he could really put pressure on guys at the point in particular by using that speed and and trying to turn over pucks and things like that. So Kreider, I think, is a guy who definitely could end up playing on the PK. And of those young forwards that we talked about in the beginning... Blay, just because he's a fourth line guy, and, and I would think you're going to want at least two out of your three fourth line guys to, to play on the PK. I think Blay is definitely going to see some time there, even though we, he didn't do it much in St. Louis. And then of the young skill guys, I'm intrigued by Kako. He, he makes really good decisions on the ice. He was, he was much improved in the defensive zone last year. I don't know how much stock you guys put in analytics, but he grades out as one of, the one of if not the best, forward for the Rangers defensively last year, according to the analytics his expected goals against rate per 60 was the best of any forward on the team. Take that for what you will. But I think Kako, you you will see him get out there because if Lafreniere is going to play on the top power play unit, I think the other guy with a lot of skill, high hockey IQ, a good stick, showed good instincts defensively last year, has bulked up and gotten stronger. I think Kako makes some sense out there. So I, I think Kako, for me... I can't believe I'm saying this, but you might see him as a PK forward this season. And then the defenseman it's a little more easy to pick. Lingren, Nemeth, and Truba are going to log the most minutes there. I think you'll see Truba probably play with Miller. I think the Rangers love his length and his reach and his stick and his speed and all that kind of stuff. So I think he could be a really effective PK guy. And if you keep him and Truba together, that chemistry that they have at even strength could carry over onto the penalty kill. Then I could, I could definitely see Lindgren playing with Nemeth. Uh, Lindgren, you know, is going to get a lot of PK time. And Nemeth, the Rangers brought here for for similar purposes. And then Fox is, is sort of the fifth guy. I think, well, I know actually, because Gallant told us this straight up, that Gallant wants to limit how much Fox is used on the PK. He said he definitely will be used in certain situations, but he does not want him playing the high minutes that he was playing last season. We saw games where he approached 30 minutes on a night. Gallant said point blank, I am not going to do that. And if he's going to run your top power play unit, he's going to play a lot at even strength. I don't think the Rangers are going to want him out there killing every single penalty. I think he will kill penalties for sure. He's good at it. He he proved that last season, but I I think the Rangers are going to manage that a little more carefully than what we saw last season and not just ride him and ride him and ride him. So I think... Lindgren, Nemeth, Truba, and Miller might be the first four out there, and Fox will get mixed in, especially late in the game, close game, big penalty kill. You want to get your best players on the ice for that. All right, final question comes from Shest Yorkin, York as in New York, who wrote, David Quinn struggled to get consistent buy-in. What's your sense with Gallant early on, and if he's able to galvanize the players, what will the difference be? My sense with Gallant, which we talked about last week, is that his interactions with the players coming into this camp had been fairly limited, but I do believe that the message to the players began and was clear starting with the exit interviews last year. The firings of John Davidson and Jeff Gordon followed by the exit interviews with Chris Drury it was made very clear to the players that the rebuild is over. It's time to put the playoffs in our focus. And in order to do that, we need to become a harder team to play against. So I think the players got that message, quite frankly, even before Gallant was hired. Then you look at the moves that the Rangers made this off season, bringing in Gaudreau and Reeves and Blay and Nemeth. Those were guys that the Rangers went out there and got for a clear purpose. So, I think the groundwork was laid for the buy-in as far as being a better defensive team, a more aggressive four-checking team, a team that's going to be more physical in puck battles, a team that's going to be able to handle big, heavy physical teams like the Islanders and the Bruins and the Capitals and a lot of the teams in the division, quite frankly, I think a lot of that groundwork was laid even before Gallant got here, and the personnel now is more well-suited to that style. There's more balance in this lineup. As far as Gallant, though, he does seem to be fostering a pretty – Reeves put it this way, which like sounds kind of funny, but I think it makes sense the more I've observed it. It's laid back, but it's also hardworking. Like, when it's time to, to practice or play or, or do the things – that the Rangers need to do to get themselves ready. Gallant is demanding hard work, but there's also this sense of camaraderie, this sense that the team is having fun. Chris Kreider said there's a lot of love in the building right now. So I do think that Gallant, him being hands off, off the ice, outside of hockey, is sort of letting the players take ownership of this thing and letting the players have fun and let loose and enjoy the experience, which is, which is a positive thing. But he has harped on over and over and over again that he's demanding hard work on the ice. And so we'll see if it translates. But again, this whole series of events dating back to the end of last season, through the offseason, up until now, the message from top down has been sent that the organization, the players, need to buy into this mantra of being a harder team to play against. And Gallant was obviously brought in to foster that. I, I will also tell you guys this, that... You know, it's been early and you're starting to see him talk to players more. And Morgan Barron mentioned the other day that they, they've they started to do a lot of the nuts and bolts work of implementing systems and that sort of thing, although there's still work to be done there. But I've been hearing from people around the facility and people that work for the Rangers that, that this dude, Gallant, is super low maintenance. Like, it, it, it just sounds like in the past, there was this expectation that the coach would demand something to be done and everybody had to jump and do it. And I think it sounds like Galan is, is a little more laid back in the sense of, Oh, is that a problem for you? Do you have time to maybe do that for me? If not, no big deal. It, it just sounds like he's been easy to work with is the impression that I've been getting from a lot of different people. Again, demanding of his players to work hard on the ice, but I think everything off the ice seems to be pretty chill and everybody that's worked with him so far seems to just be like, wow, this guy is really easy to deal with. He is not, he is not high maintenance by any stretch. So that, that's kind of an aside about Gallant, something that I've been hearing a little bit in the last week or two. But we'll see about the buy-in. We'll, we'll see about his effectiveness as a coach. But again, to me, the feeling around the building right now began not during training camp when Gallant showed up but even before Gallant was hired and now Gallant is an extension of that and it's his job to to move this thing forward and to get this team playing the way that the way that we know Jury and the front office wants them to play all right With that, we're going to end it. This turned out to be a long episode. Little V, by the way, still sleeping. My man knew I had a podcast to record and did not interrupt. So we're thankful for that. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for Ryan Lindgren. Appreciate his time once again. I'm going to get going. I'll be back next week after I get back from Rhode Island. The team is doing a couple practices up there. So I'll keep you guys posted on all that. But we'll be back next week. In the meantime, I hope everyone is well. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. And I will talk to you soon.